0: Here are a couple of questions we'll set out to answer today on Abounding
1: Grace. Questions I think we need to answer. And one of them is, okay, Ed, what about my loved ones that died? Where are they? Well, if they had a faith in Jesus Christ, you can rest assured they're in the presence of the Lord right now, experiencing what we're talking about, hopeful for us, I believe. Another question, will we know our loved ones in heaven? Will we know our loved ones in heaven? The answer is yes. Now one pastor put it this way a little crudely but I kind of I agree with him is that we won't be any less smart in heaven than we are right now. This is
0: amazing grace. This is unfair. I'm sure you've heard the old adage, two things in life are certain, death and taxes. Well, we're not going to talk about taxes today, but we are going to talk about death. What happens after we die? The Bible adequately answers that all-important question, and we'll hear what God has to say on that matter today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor will be continuing his series in John's Gospel as he delivers part two of a message centering around the question, what happens after we die?
1: What happens after we die? Let me give you four answers. We'll look at them today before we take communion. If you want to jot them down, we're going to look at them individually. Number one, death is not the end of a person's existence. Death is not the end of a person's existence. Number two, there is a final judgment after death. There is a final judgment after we die. Number three, there are two forms of existence beyond the grave. Two forms of existence beyond the grave. And then finally, number four, what happens after we die depends on what we do with Jesus while we're alive. Very important. What happens after we die has everything to do with what you did with Jesus while you were alive. And this is what Jesus shares with us in John chapter 5, verse 25. He says... Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Number one, death is not the end. How do we know that? Well, there's coming a time when people are going to hear, and in order to hear, you have to be alive. To have ears to hear, your existence is eternal. You don't just cease to exist. It's not the end of your existence. Death is not the end you and I continue to exist we have an eternal we are eternal creations and there's evidence of this here those that hear in another place in the Bible the Bible Jesus says very clearly God is the God of the living not the dead Jesus shares a story of a man by the name of Lazarus true story and a rich man in a place known as Hades what are they doing? they're alive considering their life one is regretful and wants to see his brother saved the other is enjoying the presence of Abraham's bosom, enjoying that peace of that pre-heaven existence that they have, waiting for the coming Messiah. That's a different Bible study. You can pick it up on the web to see it as it's developed, that they're fully alive after death. They have ears to hear. Now, it's important for us to define our terms before we move on, because when we speak of death, there's actually two types of death. We need to distinguish them. There is physical death, and there is spiritual death. The word death can be simply defined as separation. This is very evident in the human realm. It's very evident physical death is a separation of the spirit and the soul from the body. Immediately as I'm typing this out, I recall the many, many days and weeks that we spent at our son's bedside. Crying out to God for him to be alive, we'd grab his warm hand and we would lay our hands upon him, and we would be at the bedside with him. And it was abundantly evident that he was fully alive, very clear. Then, unfortunately, when we got the knock on the door from our friend Henry to announce to us that Eddie had graduated and gone home to be with the Lord, we rushed down to the hospice to pay our last respects. And, and when we touched that same warm hand, just an hour we were just there an hour earlier it was very clear that Eddie had gone home to be with the Lord. It's very clear. Death is a separation. Physical death is a separation from your spirit, your soul and spirit from your body. Now, what about spiritual death? If death is separation, what's spiritual death? Well, spiritual death is something that those of you that would be in a category the Bible says as an unbeliever, you experience spiritual death. It's interesting because spiritual death is simply the separation of a soul and spirit from God. You have no relationship with him. That's why it's possible to be both physically alive and then look at someone and say, the Bible says you're spiritually dead. And you go, How is that possible? Well, you can have physical life, but have no life with God. That's spiritual death. The Bible declares us, apart from Jesus Christ, as spiritually dead over and over again. Listen to this in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin he has conveyed us he's moved us from spiritual death to spiritual life that's his heart for you today that you would live in that reality that's why now it makes sense doesn't it that jesus would say you must be born again why you need spiritual life you could be physically alive But in order to get to heaven, you need to have spiritual life. And the only way to get spiritual life is to be born again. There is no other name under heaven by which a man must be saved than the name of Jesus Christ. You must be born again. There is no alternative. And there is no option. And death is not the end of your existence. Number two, there is a final judgment. Jesus says it here. Notice with me in verse 26 for as the father has life in himself he's also granted the son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man jesus has the authority to execute final judgment it rests with him now this is a theme throughout the bible of warning there will not be anyone that can stand before god and say nobody told me about judgment it's man is without excuse God has gone to great lengths to warn us there is a final judgment. We know that for the unbeliever, the final judgment is the great white throne judgment. And it will be too late at the great white throne to change your mind. It's too late. Only what you do while you're still alive will count for all of eternity. Again, we haven't really turned much at all, have we? So turn over to Acts chapter 17. Let me show you this theme. I only picked a couple verses, but you'll find now that you'll pay attention to it, you'll see it everywhere. This warning. Judgment is coming. You're going to have to give account for your life, friend. You're going to have to give account for what you've done with Jesus. You're going to have to give account for every Bible study you've ever heard, every scripture you've ever read, every time your grandmother told you about the love of God, every time your great-grandmother told you, every time you were in Sunday school, every little track you received, every coworker. you and I, we'll have to give account for that. Now, so many of us have given account. We've responded to the gospel. We bowed our knee today and said, I accept your salvation, man. I'm, I accept it. I, I need. I mean, I remember when the gospel was shared with me, I didn't believe God could really love a guy like me. I mean, surely if, if everyone in this room knew how bad of a person I was, then surely God, he knows how bad of a person I was, and there's just got to be a cutoff somewhere, and I'm over the cutoff. But it's not true. None of you are outside the reach of God. <laughs> His love extends to the farthest. To is far, you know, God, he loves you so much, the Bible says that it's the goodness of God that leads to Repentance. But the goodness of God is seen in the backdrop of the judgment of God. And in Acts chapter 17 and verse 30, listen, it says, Truly, these times of ignorance God has overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. Now, why would there be a command to repent? Verse 31. Because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he's ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Why do we need to repent? Because a day of judgment is coming. And if you're there on the day of judgment, it's too late to repent. Another scripture you can jot down in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 8 says, speaking of Lot, that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. If God can reserve him, Peter says, then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. And this is all throughout the scriptures. Now, the day of judgment is actually not just, a, not, not just a sober warning, but for the believer, it's a great encouragement. Because when you think about a final judgment, that puts things into perspective. For example, a final judgment should assure us that God is fair. I think we've all, if we look uh, deep enough in our life, I think we all would see things that have been done to us that are unfair. Unfair. You're just like, wow, this is unfair, and I don't know if I'll ever see justice on earth if you never see justice on earth, there will be justice in heaven. God is fair. He will take every wrong and make it right. The final judgment is an encouragement to us that are believers because God will make every wrong be right. Not only that, but knowing that there's a final judgment can enable us by his spirit to be forgiving people, to be forgiving people. It should be a place where we say, you know, God is going to take care of this. He's going to be the final judge. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to forgive and release this person, even if they don't repent and even if they don't want relationship, even if they want to continue off in their sinful way. I forgive and extend forgiveness. And anytime you're ready to repent and time you're ready to enter in a relationship, I'm cool with that, but I'm not going to hold it against you. Why? Because there is a final judgment coming. God will make it right. Not only that, the final judgment should really, really encourage us to not take things in our own hands. We'll let God take care of it. Trust Him, because when we take things in our own hands, especially after being hurt, you know what? There, there's a word for that. You know what it is? Revenge. You got to say it like that. Don't just say revenge. Revenge. That's why the Bible teaches a tooth, uh, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. Why? Those were restrictive. Those were restrictive. You don't automatically have to take an eye for an eye. You can forgive. But if there is if that does take place and that's what the then then you you have you only get one eye, you don't get two. Because you know how it is. If somebody knocked, I mean really, if somebody was mad at you and knocked your tooth out and you had the chance, are you going for one tooth or are you going for the jaw? The jaw. Yeah, if you had. <laughs> yeah. I can, I can feel a counseling appointment coming on. <laughs> That's only being articulated, I'm sure, out, outwardly what has often been in our hearts, that desire to get one up. If you're going to hurt me, I'm going to make you hurt. And listen, there's a final judgment. The Bible says, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And we can trust him. If you've ever been wronged, if you've ever been taken advantage of, if you've ever been ripped off, know that God tells us that he'll take care of it. Every wrong in the universe will ultimately be paid for. Either it will be turned out to be paid for by Jesus when he died on the cross and the offender repents of their sins and puts their faith in him and can be forgiven, or the person will have to pay for it at the final judgment if they haven't trusted in Jesus. But justice will come thirdly now what happens after we die we've learned that death is not the end of our existence we've learned that there is a final judgment thirdly there are two forms of existence after death that's what Jesus says right here in verse 28 he says don't marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life that's one existence and those that have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation One is a resurrection into the presence of God for eternity, living in his presence. We often refer to that as heaven. And the other is an existence of resurrection of condemnation to live separate from God in a place that the Bible describes as hell. We often refer to as hell, but Hades, Lake of Fire, Gehenna, there's different phrases. We often generically use the phrase hell and that's sufficient to understand that you will live in what Jesus described in a place. See, if you reject God today, And you've heard the gospel over and over and over again. And you die in that existence. The Bible is very clear that you will live separated from God. See, if you choose your whole life, because you've heard preachers preach all the time. I mean, you've heard the gospel and the good news. You've heard about Jesus. You know about sin. You've heard that many times. And each time you reject it, you just go off and do your own thing, you, do it. You, you don't want God in your life, you don't want to submit your life to God, and you want to play kind of church, and you want to be, pretend to be a believer, which you're, you, you're not fooling anyone but yourself, really. The reality of that is that if that's your choice and you die in that condition, after death, hell is really God granting you your choice for all eternity. There's no turning back. I mean, if that's what you wanted your whole life, and that's how you go down, then that's what you'll get for all of eternity. God will not force you to believe in him. God will not force you to... If you have communicated your whole life, I don't want to live for God on, with a heaven on earth, I don't want to live for God on earth, then you won't change your mind after death. You, you, well, you will, but you won't have a chance to eternally. I mean, we see that with the rich, um, the rich man. He, he had a change of heart, but it was too late for him. Then his heart and concern was for those that he left behind. Can you just send somebody to them, they said. A life of regret a life of remorse, a life of deep pain that Jesus describes as a place where there'll be gnashing of teeth and their worm doesn't die. Graphic descriptions of hell all throughout the scriptures. The other existence, of course, is a resurrection to life. Your choice today will then lead you to a life of eternity. And there is a question here in this section. A few people asked it during the week, and that is, well, In the resurrection, what about the body? Because, again, if you've been to a memorial service, you know that either the body is uh, buried or cremated, and you're like, wait a minute. If I, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So when does the physical resurrection, the body, get reunited with the soul? And, you know, theologians have argued about that and discussed that and spent their whole lives talking about it. And I don't want to step into the debate or to the theological discussion today because I don't think that's what Jesus was doing here. He wasn't trying to determine when the bodies come and when it all comes together. He really wanted us to understand there is a resurrection. You will be in the presence of God. You will have to account for your life. You'll either be resurrected into the life, you'll be resurrected into one of eternal life or eternal condemnation. Remember Jesus said in John chapter 3 that he didn't come to condemn, he came to save. So what's this resurrection of condemnation? Well, it's the condemnation you brought upon yourself through your own choices. So there is a resurrection. But let's instead of getting into the debate, let's just, you know, when we get into things, when I'm reading just on a personal level, when I'm reading the Bible and, and there's some interesting thoughts on either side and there's a lot of discussions and dialogue, I like to learn about them, but I don't like to default there. When there's things in the Bible that aren't quite clear, I go back and I default to the things that are super clear and what things that are super clear when it comes to the resurrection is number one when you die you will be in the presence of the Lord as a believer very very clear to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord secondly there is a promised final resurrection where there will be a reuniting of your body changed for all of eternity thirdly you will get a new body for heaven that's good news you're getting a new body. If you have lived your whole life in sickness, you will not be sick in heaven. If you have some form of disability or difficulty with your body, you will not have that in heaven. If you have been racked with pain and arthritis or cancer, no arthritis, no cancer in heaven. Let's do it. Let's just think a little bit light, more lighthearted. If you're bald, you won't be bald in heaven. <laughs> if your mind's a little weak it is not going to be weak in heaven you're going to get a new body that's specifically see these physical bodies were designed for this atmosphere to exist in this plane of existence these bodies won't go with us into eternity let me give you an example Jesus when he died they buried his body in a tomb but he himself was still fully alive and after three days there was a reuniting of his body but it was different He could do things he couldn't do before. He was just showing up in places. It was very, very different. I believe that glorified body of Jesus is a hint and a type of the first fruits of the kind of body that we're going to receive. And again, on the timing, the Bible has different viewpoints on that. Just know that heaven is promised to you. You will be in the presence of God. And you will have a new body. And it won't be all racked with junk like it is right now. And we rejoice in the promise of God. Very, very important that you grasp this powerful point. The Bible says this in First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42. So also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, but it's raised in power. It's sown a natural body, but it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So, this first resurrection is the one that all true believers will experience. And if you're a believer today, when you die, you will go directly, immediately. The last breath you have on earth will be the very first breath you take in the presence of the Lord. There is no such thing as purgatory where you got to hang out and wait for a while there is no such thing as any delay or soul sleep you just don't go to sleep or you don't just cease to exist you there's you you don't start moving into the realm of karma you know why karma doesn't exist you go immediately into the presence of god and you receive the due uh, benefit of your faith in jesus christ there's no reincarnation or any of the things that have been invented today to try to escape the reality of a final judgment And the fact that there are two existence after death. You know, there's a few other things that are really cool questions I think we need to answer. And one of them is, okay, Ed, what about my loved ones that died? Where are they? Well, if they had a faith in Jesus Christ, you can rest assured they're in the presence of the Lord right now, experiencing what we're talking about, hopeful for us, I believe. Another question, will we know our loved ones in heaven? Will we know our loved ones in heaven? The answer is, Yes. Now one pastor put it this way a little crudely but I kind of I agree with him is that we won't be any less smart in heaven than we are right now. So you knew your loved ones here in heaven. You're going to know them there. And I believe on top of that, you're going to know exactly who Paul is and Moses and Deborah and all of the saints that have gone before us. You're going to know who they are. You're just going to, oh, that's a long line. That must be David's line. Well, I'm going to go wait in line to talk to David because I want to hear all of it. You know, I don't know how the heavenly scene is going to be, but you will know, the Bible says, even as you are known, your mind weak today, strong in eternity you will be resurrected either to life or condemnation.
0: We've been considering the question, what happens after we die? Don't go away. Pastor Ed Taylor will share one more answer to that question in just a moment here on Abounding Grace. You can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through our app. Search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. You know, Pastor Ed has written an excellent book, just perfect for days like these. It's God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We all suffer and experience pain, and maybe for you, that's been at an all-time high in recent months. Well, God stands ready to help us when we experience a troubled heart. Perhaps you've experienced deep grief or a painful trial recently, or know of someone who has. I know you'll be blessed and encouraged as you read God's Help for the Troubled Heart. We'll send you a copy with our thanks when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or order it online at calvaryco.store. All right, now back to the question of the day, what happens after we die? Here's Pastor Ed with the final answer.
1: Our last point is simply this. What happens after you die? Well, it depends completely on the decisions you make about Jesus today. What happens to you personally after you die, it's going to directly depend on what you've done with Jesus while you're alive. Look back at verse 24 for a second. Jesus preaches the gospel to these religious rulers, he wants them to understand that the decision they make with him has eternal significance. And he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but is passed from death into life. How do I get to heaven? Well, getting to heaven isn't about living a good life and being a good person. Because I think we all agree as we've surveyed our lives, there's not one of us that's perfectly good. Because I know as we're talking about heaven, we think, and it's been spread that, Oh, well, you know, good people get into heaven. I want you to know that bad people get into heaven that have been changed by Jesus Christ. You know, good is not what God requires. The Bible says that God requires perfection. Perfection. Holiness. Now, if we all have agreed that we've made mistakes, that also makes us imperfect. You go, well, Ed, what what, what am I supposed to do then? Well, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, was the only perfect man to ever live on the earth. He lived a perfect, righteous life, untouched and untainted by sin in any way, even though he was tempted in all ways like man, but without sin. And in his perfection by faith, the Bible says that his perfection can become your perfection. That, that your sin can be covered and forgiven, not by lambs that come every... Uh, not by priests that keep bringing lambs for sacrifice every week, every week, every week, and you, you have to acknowledge it. But no, salvation comes now by the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Not the lambs, but the Lamb. Messiah promised is Messiah come. He is, he is here, he has come, he has lived, he's died, and he's risen again. You see, you can be a good person your whole life, and I've met many and still reject Jesus Christ. You can do so many good things in the name of so many good charities and so many good causes and never bow the knee to Jesus. But I've also seen you can be a bad person your whole life and still receive Jesus before your last breath. You can accept him in one of those, what we would call a deathbed experience. And I believe it's possible. Why? Not because of our works, but because of the finished work of Jesus.
0: Our study of John's Gospel resumes tomorrow on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll
1: see you then.